Well, what is up? Element Church, if you're new here, my name's Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element. So thankful just that all of you are here with us today. That includes those of you joining us via video as well. I want to say hello to you guys. Thanks for tuning in. So glad you're able to leverage technology uh, to be with us today. If you're using Facebook Live, even if you're not using it now, but you have access to it, if you would click that share button on there, it's just a great way uh, to let other people know about what God's doing here at Element Church. We're two weeks away, less than two weeks, from our Christmas Eve services. So as your pastor, I wanted to highlight that a little bit and then challenge all of us to begin thinking and praying about who we might invite to Christmas Eve. There are two times a year that people are more open to attending church, Easter and Christmas Eve. Even for folks that never cross through the doors of a church on Christmas Eve, they're at least open to that idea, but they don't even know that it's possible for them to attend here unless we let them know about that through an invitation. So as always on Christmas Eve, I'll be giving a very clear gospel presentation. I'm going to give an invitation for people to put their faith in Jesus. We're going to sing some classic Christmas carols, some modern ones as well. And then we got a, a few surprises, some classical elements we are adding to the service as well that you won't want uh, to miss. So hope that you'll be here for Christmas Eve and that you'll invite somebody to attend as well. Invite cards today are available at the Next Steps wall out in the lobby. So grab some of those or, or share the graphic that we put on our social media sites uh, with other people and invite them to Christmas Eve. Today is week number three in our Christmas sermon series that will end on Christmas Eve. We're calling it My Advent, and we're asking the question, what does Advent mean for me? And every week I've been reminding us what Advent means. Advent means arrival or coming, typically a of an important person, thing, or event. So in the Christian church's context, for us, we are celebrating the arrival, the advent of Jesus on that first Christmas morning. And so all through the series, we are using what is called an advent wreath. There are five candles in the wreath, each representing a different truth that we are remembering teaching on uh, through this Christmas series. Each color significant as well. So purple is the color of royalty, and Jesus was known of as the king of the Jews, so it makes sense that there's purple for royalty. Pink represents joy, and that's what we're talking about today. We'll get into that here in a little bit. And the, the white candle is called the Christ candle. It represents life or light that Jesus brought into the world when he arrived here on the earth. And every Sunday, we're lighting a new candle. We'll light the old ones as well. To the last, uh, on Christmas Eve, we'll light the Christ candle. All five candles will be lit, talking about five different truths for Christmas. So the first Sunday, we lit the prophecy candle or the candle of hope. And we said the Jews had hope because the Messiah was coming, but we have hope because the Messiah has already come. And I'll ask again, amen, right church? The Messiah's come, so we have hope. And then last week, last week was the Bethlehem candle. And we talked about the dangers of being close to Jesus. That proximity to Jesus does not always lead to passion for Jesus. We talked about that last week. If you want to catch up on those sermons, you can do that online. So this Sunday, we are lighting the, uh, the angel candle or the candle of joy. So the angel candle or the candle of 
joy. And the reason we call it the candle of joy or the angel candle is because of our Advent reading for today. So this is not the main scripture. This is uh, the Advent scripture found in Luke chapter 2. Verses 8 through 14, it's perhaps the most famous Christmas passage that we read during the Christmas season. Uh, it says this, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring, everybody read these next two words with me, great joy. That wasn't great, so let's do it again. Let's read those two words together. Here we go. Great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby, six pounds, eight ounces, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Some of you will get that here in a little bit. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Amen? So the angel said about this news of the arrival of Jesus that this news will bring great joy to all people. So why did they use the word joy? Would it have meant the same thing if the angel said this news will bring great happiness to all people? Would it be the same thing? Now that's similar, it's similar, right? But it is not the same thing. Happiness can be taken away. It's rooted in our circumstances, in what happens to us. Happiness can go up and down in our lives. So let me illustrate with uh, something that I, I thought of preparing for this, this sermon. I don't know if you've ever watched America's Funniest Home Videos before. Uh, before we had Sunday evening services years ago, uh, before we had Sunday evening services here at Element, kind of our family's Sunday night tradition was to cook dinner, pop some popcorn, gather around the TV, and we would all watch America's Funniest home videos every Sunday night. And I remember through the years, different segments during the Christmas season where they would show people who received a lottery ticket for Christmas. They would scratch it off. It would appear to be a winning lottery ticket for $10,000, thus bursting them into this great jubilation of happiness, only to realize that their happiness was about to be taken Away. So I found a couple of these old AFV videos. I want you to see. I want you to see how quickly happiness can be taken away. So go ahead and check out these videos. We won ten thousand dollars. I won ten thousand dollars. I won ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars. I won ten thousand dollars. I better be good. Seriously, he's better not. This is $10,000, I swear to God, he's $10,000 from Memphis and Faith. He's $10,000, I swear. 
Look at it, Sam. Five and ten thousand prizes may be claimed at your at your mama's house. <laughs> That is hilarious. Claim it at your mama's house. I just gave someone a great Christmas idea right there. I don't apologize to who might get that. There's dozens of videos like that online, and it proves the fact that happiness is temporary, right? It's based on our circumstances. What happens to me? What's going on around me? In fact, here's how I'm wording it. It's our big idea for today. It'll kind of be the thread that goes through all of our, of our sermon. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. That happiness is based on my circumstances, but joy can be rooted in my heart. The happiness is based on my circumstances, but joy can be rooted in my heart. So here's the big question. If joy is, can be rooted in my heart, I want to know the answer to this question. How do I get joy rooted in my heart. If it's different than happiness, then I want joy. So how can I get that joy rooted in my heart? The main scripture is Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5. Philippians is found in the New Testament portion of the Bible. You can follow along on the screens in your own Bible with the Version Bible app. That's free. If you don't own your own Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can get one at guest services on your way out. A little background here. Here in Philippians, there's a guy named Paul who's writing to a group of Christians in a town called Philippi, and he's going to teach them about joy. In fact, joy is mentioned in all four chapters of the book of Philippians. So if you don't have anything to read this week, want to read Philippians, it's only four chapters. Joy is mentioned in every chapter. And you might say, why should I listen to this guy, Paul, teach about joy? Well, first off, you need to know that Paul was writing this letter from prison in Rome where he would eventually die for his faith in Jesus. So he was not teaching on joy from a situational perspective. Circumstances did not dictate joy for the apostle Paul. Happy, this was more than an emotion for him. This was a condition of his heart that came from his faith in Jesus. To which you might say, well, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus, so how can I have great joy in my life from Jesus? Well, you also need to know this, that Paul didn't always have faith in Jesus or believe there was joy in him either, and you need to understand that. If you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, we're thrilled that you are here. And Paul's a great story, because in the book of Acts, fifth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts chapter 9, you'll read about this guy whose name was Saul. And Saul belonged to a group of religious Jewish leaders, the same group that crucified Jesus. So Saul hated Jesus. When the resurrection happened and he heard reports of that resurrection, he turned his hatred from Jesus to the followers of Jesus, and Saul would arrest, torture, even kill people for believing in Jesus. And one day he was on his way to a new town to arrest more Christians when Jesus appeared to Saul 
Saul put his faith in Jesus. Jesus changed his name to Paul. And Paul stopped persecuting Christians and started teaching people, preaching about Jesus, which eventually landed him in prison in Rome, where he wrote this letter, Philippians. So for Paul, it was Jesus who gave him joy even in the midst of prison. And Paul writes this, Philippians 4. The first part of verse 4, we're jumping into the middle of a thought here. So the first part of verse 4 says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. So how do I get joy rooted in my heart? Number one is this, I need to look to the right place. I need to look to the right place. I think we could all agree that happiness is a moving target, right? It's moving. Like what makes me happy today may not be what makes me happy tomorrow. In fact, I could be completely happy in one moment and something bad can happen the next moment and wipe all my happiness away, right? Like happiness is a moving target. For instance, take the Wyoming Cowboys football team, for example. Okay, just follow follow me here. Follow me here. Take Take them for example. I was thinking about this. When I was in junior high, my dad pastored a church in Laramie for three years, and we, it, was, it was my seventh, eighth, and ninth grade year uh, of, of junior high, and we lived in Laramie when the University of Wyoming had great football and great basketball teams at the same time. Like, I lived in Laramie through, some of you will, will know what I'm talking about, through the Finnis Dimbo, Eric Lechner, Reggie Fox, Reginald Slater, those kind of guys. I lived through that, that kind of basketball team. And then in 1987 and 1988, while we were there, Wyoming went undefeated in the old WAC conference. They won it both years. Two years in a row went to the Holiday Bowl, where they got waxed both times, but they went to the Holiday Bowl. But, I mean, it was the best sports years, at least in my lifetime, that Wyoming has, has ever had. But now... Okay, for the last 27 years, I'm old, I understand that. Okay, for the last 27 seasons, we've been to a total of five bowl games. We've had 17 non-winning seasons in football. And the last two years, we have six wins and 18 losses, not counting this year. So if someone would have come to me or any other UW fan here in the room before the season and asked us, as someone who cheers for Wyoming, asked us, Would you be happy at the end of the year if Wyoming had eight wins hosting the Mountain West Conference Championship game that they would eventually lose to San Diego State, but they would be invited to the Poinsettia Bowl in late December, perhaps uh, the best bowl game since uh, 27 seasons ago, have a chance to win nine games. It would be their ninth victory if they win. So if they win, it would be their most wins since 1996. If someone were to ask us, would you be happy with that kind of season before the season, what would we have said? Absolutely. Like, yeah, bring it on. I want that season. So, last Saturday night, not yesterday, but last Saturday night, why did I find myself yelling at my TV, screaming at players and coaches who my daughters consistently remind me they cannot hear me, although I'm convinced they can. Can I get a witness up in here? 
Why, why did I find myself yelling, hoping beyond hope that we would win that game, be Mountain West Conference Championships, go to the best bowl game we've ever been to in the history of our school? Why did I find myself upset that we lost by three points so close to a victory? Why? Because the target moved, right? Like the, the target of my happiness around Wyoming, it it moved. My circumstances changed. Like when the Nintendo NES came out. And the Atari was no longer good. Right? And then the N64 made the NES obsolete. And then the Wii made the 64 obsolete. I don't know what's next. Nintendo hologram or something. But something will come out, right? Something will come out that will make my circumstances change so I'm no longer happy with my former happiness. This is why when it comes to joy, we have to look to the right place. Happiness is a moving target. Okay, It's based on my circumstances. It is an emotion, I've heard someone say this, tied to an event. And that event has to happen for me to have happiness. But joy is rooted in my heart. It is a condition so that no matter what circumstance I find myself in, I can still be filled with joy. It's why Paul said, always be full of joy in the Lord. Look to the right place. The Barnes commentary that I read in my study said this about uh, our joy. If everything else changes, yet the Lord does not change. Isn't that a great truth? If the sources of all other joy are dried up, financial, physical, relational, yet this is not. And there's not a moment of a Christian's life in which he may not find joy in the character, law, and promises of God. King David said this in Psalm chapter 9, verse 2, I will be filled with joy because of you talking to God. Not what you do for me, but simply in you, I'll be filled with joy. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. One of the reasons why all of us, me included, can so easily live without joy is we are not looking to the right place. We're looking at our circumstances in what happens to us, what's going on around us when we need to be looking at who God is for us and what he can do on the inside of us. Can I get an amen today? Happiness is based on my circumstances. Joy can be rooted in my heart. So how do I get joy rooted in my heart? I've got to look to the right place. Paul said, always be full of joy in the Lord. That's from the New Living Translation, which we are using. You might be reading another version, perhaps maybe like the King James Version or something. Uh, Here's how other versions translate it. They translate it, rejoice in the Lord always. And then verse, the last part of verse four, I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. You might know the song. Should I sing it for everyone? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Yes! Yes! Somebody clapped. We used to yell it out. Like, I'm convinced those songs were made for kids to get energy out of their system so we don't drive the Sunday school teachers crazy. Because we would yell out again, we'd rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice! We'd scream it out. Yeah! We weren't rejoicing, just annoying, but... 
So let me go educational on you for a second here. Hang with me. I hope this is helpful. It was helpful for me. Okay. The word rejoice here that Paul uses when he says, I say it again, rejoice, comes from a Greek word, which this was originally written in Greek, which means leaning into or delighting in God's grace. More literally, it would mean this, to experience the grace of God and be consciously glad for it. That's what rejoicing means. So not only do I need to look to the right place, I also, number two, to have joy rooted in my heart, I have to lean into the right posture. Got to lean into the right, leaning into God's grace. So rejoicing in the Lord is choosing to have a posture of praise regardless of my position in life. Come on. That was good enough to say again and challenging enough for me to hear it again, so I'm going to say it again. That rejoicing is choosing to have a posture of praise regardless of my position in life. Do you realize that when bad things happen in our life, and I know that in saying these things, within the sound of my voice are people experiencing these things, and please hear me, I'm not trying to trivialize what anyone is going through. I just want us to understand something, okay? That when our body gets sick, when our bills pile high, when our relationships fall apart, that when bad things happen in our life, we have to understand this church, our enemy, the devil, is not going after those things. The devil's not after our health. He's not after our wealth. He's not after our relationships. He just knows our happiness is tied to those things. He's after our joy. He's after our, our spiritual vitality, our spiritual vigor, our life that only Jesus can give us. And for the most part, we can't control what happens to us, right? I mean, for the most part. All we can control is our response to what happens. So always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Might look something like this. God Regardless of what happens to me, in good times and in bad, my joy is not based on my circumstances. My joy is rooted in my heart. That God, through salvation, I've experienced your grace and I am delighting in it. I'm leaning into your grace. For I was dead in my transgressions and sins, but you paid a debt I could not pay. You died the death that I deserved. You rose from the dead, God, so that by putting my faith in you, I can have my sins forgiven, my heart made clean, and I can rise forth and walk with thee. Church, the devil has no answer for a heart like that. He has no answer for a heart like that. He doesn't know what to do with people who find their joy in the Lord. Because the Lord is unchanging. So my joy remains the same. I had a friend last summer who had this awesome family vacation plan, something they were looking forward to, saving, planning for, just for a really long time. But one thing after another kept piling up in their life as they were heading into vacation. And you've experienced this, right? Car problems, work problems, when it rains, it pours. It seems like when one thing goes wrong, everything starts collapsing in. 
in your life. It was the second day of their vacation after all these things happened. They weren't even to their destination yet when the radiator goes out on their car. Like the one final straw, they're stranded in the middle of nowhere. While all this was happening, I was actually talking with him while he was on vacation, and he was surprisingly happy. And it wasn't like, it wasn't fake happiness. And, and, and under, please understand, he was frustrated, right? He, he, he wasn't, ha- I'm not telling you that you should be happy when bad things happen. Like, golly gee willikers, I love that I lost my job. Woo! No. That's weird, okay? So, but he was, like, he had this true joy about him in the midst of all this bad stuff that was happening. And he told me, I was like, what's, why, why are you handling this so well? Because I'll be honest, I don't handle those things really well. He said, Jeff, in the middle of the road, when our car broke down, I just told the devil, you can have my radiator, but you can't have my joy. Whoa, that's awesome, isn't it? You can have my radiator, devil, but you can't have my joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. It's not just an emotion based on an event. It is a condition that transcends all events. It's rooted in my heart. I think what my friend said is something we should all start saying to the devil. (laughs) Like, devil, you can have my health. You can't have my joy. You can have my wealth, you can't have my joy. You can have my job, you can have my relationships, you can have my house, you can have my car, but devil, you can't have my joy. It's not based in what I have. It's based in what God did for me that cannot be taken away. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. I gotta look to the right place. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Gotta lean into the right posture that I will choose to have a posture of praise regardless of my position in life. And then verse 5, Paul says this, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. What in the world does that mean? Right? I mean, it almost seems like Paul shifts gears completely and talks about an unrelated subject. So how does this relate to joy? Well, the phrase, be considerate in all you do, is not talking about being kind and polite, although I definitely think we should be kind and polite. And I'll just add this, especially as Christians, we should be the most kind, polite people that anyone in our community knows. Like, we should be known for that, but that's it's not what it's talking about. So that phrase, be considerate in all you do, again, comes from a Greek word that means to yield, literally, to hold off on my own rights for the sake of someone else. That's what it means. To hold off on my own rights for the sake of someone else. The pulpit commentary explains it this way. I thought this was really good. It stands for the attitude which contents itself with less than it is due and shrinks from insisting on its strict rights. There is no joy, here it is, in a narrow selfishness. Joy involves an open heart and a generous love. That's why in Acts 20, verse 25, Jesus is recorded as saying, we use this with our children, it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. There's more joy in giving than there is in receiving. Joy in the Lord tends to make us gentle, mild, and generous to others. Be considerate in all you do. So here's the third way 
to get joy rooted in our hearts. Number three is this. I've got to love people with the right perspective. I just need to love people with the right perspective. So what is the right perspective of loving people? Well, I think it's the attitude that contents itself with less than what I'm due, less than what I feel I deserve for the sake of someone else. Pastor Jared, our worship pastor, he's not here today, and his team did a phenomenal job leading us. I don't know if you realize how great of a team we have leading in worship, but they did a phenomenal job today. Pastor Jared's uh, on vacation with his wife today, but he's working on a new song for our church. It's not done yet, um, but I did ask him if I could share a little bit of it. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. I I did that once. I won't do it again. But it's born out of, this song is born out of the I Heart Cheyenne initiative that we do every August. And it almost feels like, if, you're, if you call Element Home, you'll know what I'm talking about here. It feels like a sequel to the song, Jesus Till You Come. Now that song, Jesus Till You Come, was also born out of I Heart Cheyenne. And it really speaks to the heart of our church and really to the heart of, of you, the, the people. And part of that song is kind of the anthem for our church the last several years. It says, we will be the light in the darkest place. We'll be the ones to show your grace, Jesus, till you come. Which, by the way, side note, that fits our main scripture. Paul, at the very end of verse 5, says, remember, the Lord is coming soon. It's coming. So let's remember this. Okay, I don't have time to even expound on this, but we are celebrating at Christmas the first advent of Jesus, his first arrival. But church, there's another arrival coming. Jesus will have another advent where he comes on the clouds of the sky with the power of heaven to rescue those who believe in him. It's going to happen. And we don't know when the Lord will return. We don't know when our last breath will be or when someone else's last breath will take place. Quite honestly, that should generate an urgency in our hearts, church, that we don't know the end. We don't know. That should fuel some passion in our lives. It should move us to love people with the right perspective, to live with that open heart and generous love of people, maybe even giving up my own rights, to be considerate in all you do, to give up who we are for those who are not. And that's the lyric of the song that I want to share with you that Pastor Jared is working on. It says this, it's on the screens. We're giving up who we are for those who are not, so they can find who they are in you and will hold the light for those who need you and a sliver of hope will break through. Isn't that awesome? Giving up who we are for those who are not, so they can find who they are in you and will hold the light for those who need you and a sliver of hope. That's all some people need, sliver of hope will break through. That is at the heart of the so that offering that we are receiving today. So for the last month or so, if you call Element Church home, you know that we've been talking about our annual year-end offering called the so that offering. We are receiving that here at the end of the service. If you did not come prepared for that, we are we're leaving that open all the way through 11:59 p.m. December 31st, so you got time if you forgot. But the so that offering is born out of John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave. Gave his only son. 
so that anyone who believes in him can have eternal life. And we give for the same reasons. Because we love God, we give. And because we love people, we give so that they can hear about, put their faith in, be impacted by the name of Jesus through his church. And this year, so that offering is going towards funding the iHeart Wyoming initiative in 2017, where we are seeking to literally give away money to existing churches all across the state of Wyoming so they can tangibly serve their communities with the love of Jesus, elevating, expanding, reinforcing the credibility of God's church in our dream, all 23 counties one day in the state of Wyoming, we believe can be united together loving people with the right perspective. On every chair when you came in is what we are calling Impact 2027. It's a magnet. Take one home, put it on your fridge, take another one home, put it at work somewhere. This is a a description of what we want to accomplish in the next 10 and a half years at our church. By October 3rd, 2027, that will be our 20 year anniversary as a church. We are wanting to accomplish some God-sized things that will take a collective effort of all of us to do what God is asking us to do. And I've been challenging us this whole eight weeks that all of us, no one person can do everything, but we can all do something. And if we all do something, we'll end up accomplishing everything. And so I've just said, let's ask God, what do you want to give through me? And so if you came prepared to give with a cash or check, uh, here's what we're going to do. Okay, I'm going to close in prayer here in a moment. And then Ryan's got some closing words uh, for you as well. But on your way out, we're not going to pass the buckets again. But on your way out, if you would like to give to the So That offering, we have offering uh buckets, offering boxes at the back of the room here on the wall by the double doors. There's also two more giving boxes out in the lobby. You can also give through uh, push pay, which are mobile giving. So through your debit credit card or through uh, your, an auto draft from your checking account through push pay there. You can go online, elementchurchwy.com, and you can give digitally there as well. Just make sure you select so that offering. If you're writing a check, put so that in the memo. Or if you're using cash and you want it for the so that offering, make sure you find an envelope and write so that on the offering. My, my prayer has been that we would see at least $50,000 come in through this offering. We've already budgeted $50,000 in next year's budget for iHeart Wyoming, which would make it a grand total of $100,000 to literally be generous with to other churches so they can join us in serving this great state of ours, which has over 400,000 people who are not connected to the ministry of Jesus in his church. And that needs to change. It needs to change. And so we're going to try to do something about it. And I hope that you'll join us in that. I got a next step for everyone as well. Uh, we've been doing these videos, these Advent video devotionals. Uh, every week. And so tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., the latest video, which takes this message and puts it into everyday practice for the week, will be on my blog, jeffmanis.com. You can go there tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. All of the videos are on there. So I would encourage you to do that by yourself, with your family, with your small group. A great way just to take what we talked about today and put it into practice in our daily lives. So let me pray for you. If you need to just finalize that amount in your head. You can do that right now as well, what you want to give. And then just challenge everybody to be faithful, be obedient. We can't do everything. We can all do something. So I pray that each of us would do that. We'd each do something in the So That 
offering. God, you are faithful. You're faithful to provide, not always what we want, but what we need. You've been faithful to save. You've been faithful to forgive. And Lord, I think you're just asking us now to be faithful in response to you. So Lord, I have no idea. All I know is what you've asked my family to give. I don't know what anyone else has been prompted to give. But Lord, I pray right now in this moment that you would confirm in everyone's heart, this is what I want you to give. And I pray we'd be faithful. Be faithful to give what you ask us. Trusting you to provide. Lord, thanks for joy that can be rooted in our hearts. It's not based on circumstance. It's based on what you did, our Savior, in our heart. Even as we give today, Lord, help us give with the right perspective. That I'm yielding something that I might be due for someone else. Help us remember that, God. Thanks for being our God. We love you.